0: Service, but we just had a picture. We just wanted y'all to take a look at a picture. Uh, so a- Amy and I, we were on the Big Roundtop Elementary School Television Station, and so we were able, because of you, uh, to present them with a, a check for their teachers. So we just want to show you all a picture, let you know, all know that actually happened. And so y'all did a great job. So thank y'all uh, so much for doing that, letting uh, letting us minister in the community like that. Um, I, the last song we just sang that was that was a, a per, it's a perfect song. For what we're going to be talking about today So today we are continuing our series Through the month of February Which is 2020 Walking in light of love And of course typically when people Think about February other than my birthday uh, The next thing on the agenda Is probably you know Valentine's Day And so we thought for the month of February It would be great for us to just simply take a look And see how it is That God loves people Because when God loves people God changes people and he, and he makes everything different. And anytime you see somebody demonstrating the love of God, it will be something that will get your attention. I think a great example of this is, and it's probably the, one of the greatest examples of love and forgiveness that, that I've ever seen is in 2015. It was after the uh, Emanuel AME church shootings. And they interviewed some of the family members who had lost relatives during that shooting. And I remember uh, I I wrote down uh, some of the interviews that they had. One of them was a young man named Chris Singleton Singleton. back in 2015. He was a baseball player for Charleston Southern. His mom was shot and killed that night. And here's what he said. He said, we already forgive him for what he's done. There's nothing but love from our side of the family. At At the shooter's bond hearing, Beth Middleton, whose sister was killed, she said this. She said, my sister taught me, that we are family that love built. We have no room for hating, so we have to forgive. Another victim's relative, Anthony Thompson, said, I forgive you, my family forgives you. Alana Simmons, whose grandfather was killed, said, although my grandfather and the other victims died at the hands of hate, she said, this is proof, everyone's pleas for your soul is proof they lived in love and their legacies will live in love, so hate won't win. Now, that was such a mind-blowing testimony from those people. I mean, it made national news. You might remember Charlie Rose. I mean, he was on PBS, and you know, I really don't go to church. He said, but after listening to that, he said, this Sunday, I can tell you where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in church. And it was because of love. And, and, I, and I look at, at what happened there. It's like, you know, what made that situation so different than what we so typically see, which is anger and bitterness? And we would say in a lot of instances, justifiably so. But the difference is one key ingredient. It's just love, and and it's not just you know it's not love from us. Human love can't do that. O- only God's love does that, because those are people who had been touched by the love of God. And while one man wanted to create an environment of hate, l- hate did not win. Love won. And then that's what the Bible says actually, in Romans twelve twenty one it says, "Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good." And so there's no doubt that love is powerful, but it's sort of, you know, this kind of love is something that's hard for us to get our hands around because it's a real foreign concept to us, to love like that. But what we're going to see today is we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that if you grew up in church, it's probably one of the very first Bible verses you ever learned. It's John 3.16. And in John 3.16 Today, we're just going to look at it, and we're going to see from that verse how God loves. So if you have your Bible, and you want to look up that verse, we're just going to read that one verse today. You can turn there, but I want to give you a little bit of background information. Uh, At the beginning of chapter 3, there was a man named Nicodemus, who was a religious leader of the day. He was a Pharisee, and and he noticed that there was something very different about Jesus. He recognized it. In, in John 3, 2, it says, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. And Nicodemus wanted more from God. And, and so it's in these verses that Jesus shared with him the love that he has for people and how, and how God actually loves people. And so that's sort of the question for us today that, that this verse is going to answer. Is, well, how does God love? Now, how does he love people like us? Well, when I look in verse 16, one of the first things I see is the way that God loves is God loves without prejudice. And then that's what I notice in verse 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Now, I know for a lot of people, when we think of, of God loving us, there's a couple of different ways you can take that. I think there's some people who look at that and they say, I'll be honest with you. I do not know how God could love somebody you know, like me. Uh, because whenever I look at myself, you know, I'm, I, nobody knows me better than me. You know, I, I know the stuff that goes through my mind. I know some of the things that... That 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 kind of creep into my mind, and I think, well, this is how I would like to respond in that situation. And I think if those thoughts ever got out into public, the public realm, I'm like Man, there is no way God would ever choose for me to be on His team. Uh, there is no way that I could be in God's family. So that's one view. Or if you don't understand it? How could God love me? Then there's another side of it where people think, or some of us think, how could God not love me? I mean, I just sort of look at myself, and, you know, and hey, I, I look at where we are. I have a, I have a real affinity for the, for the South. And so, you know, I look at the South, and I was like, well, it's obvious that God has blessed us more than any other group of people in the entire world, right? I mean, it's the South. I mean, the South. we have great weather, except for summer. You know, we, uh, we do everything right. Uh, we have more churches than anybody. We know how to make sweet tea. You know, people who don't make sweet tea and you don't drink it, there's something wrong with you. And so I just look at all those and how could God not love people like us? But then when you start kind of just scratching a little bit below the surface, you, you start to discover some things. And that is that, that we are just as sinful and messed up as everybody else in the world. I mean, we, we struggle And we have problems with violence, just like everybody else does. We struggle and we have problems in our marriages, just like everybody else does. And and you go through the list and you begin to understand that what the Bible has to say is absolutely accurate. And that is like Romans 3.10, where it says, there is no one righteous, no, not even one. And that was the point that Jesus was making to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And he was wanting to know how to have life in God. And Jesus basically began to share with him this passage of Scripture that we're going to read in a, in a minute again. But, but what was going on is that Nicodemus, from his viewpoint, he had a very Pharisaical view of things. You know, if you're going to be right with God, there are certain things that you do. There's a, an order that you follow. I mean, it was such a, a strict order that you followed that it was, it was relegated to a very small group of people who could really be loved by God. As a matter of fact, the only people that could really be loved by God were Jewish people. And if you're a person who was not Jewish, the way that you got in into the love of God is that you actually had to become Jewish yourself. And then we get to John 3, 16, and Jesus just sort of throws everything off, of, off kilter. And Jesus says, for God so loved the world. Now, now, now what does world mean? Well, if you translate that word world, it means mankind. It means all people. So, so what our text is telling us is real simple. God loves all people. And just in case you're curious, that includes you. Okay, It does, it does not mean that, that God only loves you know, white people, that God only loves black people, that God only loves rich people, that God only loves poor people. Our scripture tells us that God loves all people, all the people in the world. And the word love is the word agape in our scripture. And this kind of love is determined by the character of the one who is doing the loving. Now, if you look in John 3.16, who is the one that is doing the loving in John 3.16? Yeah, that's right. God's the second word for God. So love the world. God is the one who is doing the loving. And God loves us not because of what we've done, not because of who we are. God chooses to love us in spite of who we are. I mean, just look into Scripture, Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, in that while we were yet, it says, sinners, that Christ died for us. Now, that's hard. that's hard for me to understand that somebody would love me even though I don't deserve it. And you know, whenever I love people, it is easier for me to love people when they give me a reason to love them. And I I think this is hard for me to understand because so much of the love that I give and receive, it is very much conditional. Now, we try to make it unconditional. I remember a, a couple of years ago, McDonald's came out with a pretty catchy little slogan about uh, about, about love. It was called Choose Lovin'. Y'all remember that one? Maybe you might not be McDonald's eaters, but they had uh, Choose Lovin' was their big campaign. So here's the deal. Uh, the way that they did the campaign, they said, now, uh, in order for you to to do these acts of kindness, they're trying to inspire love, they said, you can pay for your meal with acts of kindness. I'm kind of liking that, you know, because I'm thinking this will be good for my, my wallet. And so they, they did this, this little campaign. If you came in, they would, you could call your mother. There are people who paid for their meal by calling their moms and saying, Mom, I love you. Can I get my cheeseburger now? And so you'd get food for it. And so they did this for a while, but they, it was a limited campaign. It went from February 2nd to February 14th. Now, the reason why they limited the campaign is because they are they, they're a for-profit company. You know, it's not like they could say, man, we really made a killing this week. We had 37,000 calls where people told their mom, we love you. That does not pay the bills. And so I understand that kind of loving, right? I mean, it's conditional. It has a limit on it. And then I kind of translate that over to the kind of love that God has for people. Because I think, well, surely God can't love everybody all the time. I mean, there's going to be, because I'm, I know, to be honest with you, there are times I'm pretty jaded. I'm like, if I love people like that, they're going to take advantage of me. You know, now there's only so much love that God can give like that. But then I look in Scripture and it messes everything up. And it says, For God so loved the world. It says God loves all people. Second Peter 3:9, the Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. It says, but all to come to repentance. God has a desire for all people to be loved. Now, does God have the bank account to love everybody? Well, Jeremiah thirty-one-three says that he does. It says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued to extend faithful love to you. Yeah, that's good news. Now, think about that. God, he loves you. Now, how does he love you? He loves you without prejudice. How does, how does God love you? Well, the next thing we're going to see is that he loves you completely. And if you look back in verse number 16 again, it says, For God so loved the world, it says that he gave his one and only son. So how much does God love us? We're told that he loves us so much that he was willing to give. One of the greatest motivators in giving is love. I mean, giving is not something that is really natural. It's not a part of human nature to be a giving person. You know, I've said this a million times before. One of the first words that your children learn is mine. It is not sharing. You know, they want to take it all for themselves. I'm the same way. You know, if I see something, you know, I want it for me. Um, Whenever we are having my birthday cake today, Emily made me cheesecake. By the way, mother. So I'm having cheesecake today. When it comes down to that last piece, I can tell you, I'm not really looking for. I'm not going to share it with my mom. I'm going to get that fork and I'm going to drive it into her hand. I'm kidding, but I want it for me. That is my that is my natural instinct. Unless I love somebody, and when I love somebody, I'm willing to give. And that's true for you now. Because I'm a guy, so guys, in in your instance, if you're married. You remember what, what? You remember some of the stuff that you're will, you're willing to give your wife because you love her. I can think of a couple of things. Uh, I can think that you know, with with my wife Emily, there were times when I sat down at night, we'd watch a show, and I would I would see that Braveheart was on, but because I loved Emily, I watched Downton Abbey. Now that only happens because of love, right? Um, I, there's a lot of other things I've seen men do I've seen men who have, you know, they, they love They want to go out with their friends They want to go fishing or hunting But instead, they choose to go to the mall With their spouse Because they love them Emily wants me to go because I love her To go with my friends and not be with her But, you know, there's just some things that we are willing to do Because we love Now, now I look into Scripture And I see that, that God loves you so much That He gave and that word "gave" is an interesting word. The word "gave" there it means to pay wages. You say, now, now why is it talking about paying wages whenever we're talking about God loving us? Well, it, it, one of the first, whenever I think of the word "wage" in the Bible, I think of Romans six twenty three. It says, "For the wages of sin is death." And then, now, now who earns those wages? Well, according to Romans three twenty three, we all do. For all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. And because of our sin, we have to pay the wages of death. We die. So here's here's where the word gave comes into play here. Because God loves people and he knows that we are in debt. He gave his son to pay those wages for us. That we might be able to experience life. Only Jesus could pay off that debt. 1 John 4.10 says, Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, if you again, if you if you grew up in the church, you probably you probably heard that word propitiation before. And now, what does that mean? Jesus is the propitiation for our sin. Well, the word propitiation it means to cover, or like to cover over. So we have sin, and Jesus. Through his sacrifice, covered over, he paid the wages for our sin. And I I think, to me, a good illustration for this, and I used it a couple of weeks ago, but I'm using it again. Uh, It's, uh, you know, in the pioneer days, whenever uh, people were traveling west, a lot of times they would come upon like a prairie fire. And and the fire could burn so quickly that you could not outrun it. You you couldn't even outrun it on a horse. And so when the, the pioneers would see those fires coming, they would light the ground on fire where they were standing before the fire got to them. They'd back off, they'd burn that grass down, and then they'd go stand on it, put all their equipment and everything on the, on the place where the ground was already burned. So that when the fire got there, it couldn't burn again where the fire had already burned. That's, that's, the, that's the cross. See that there is a wage to be paid And Jesus paid it for us at the cross So that the wrath of, of the judgment of God on sin came on the cross And whenever we stand on the cross Then those sin that sin when it comes our way to, In order to, to pay off that sin We can say we're already standing on ground Where the sin's already been paid for us Jesus paid it for us Now, now God is, God's love for you is so great that he was willing to give for you. And he gave you the best that he had, which is his, ch- his child. See, God values you. He's able to, he's able to see your value. He sees, he sees beyond all of, your, all of your sin and all of your, the junk in your life. And he knows that you've been made in the image of God and he loves you. And because he loves you, he completely gave for you. And I really think this. When we understand the love somebody has for us, it is easier to love that person because we understand that they love us. We need to understand God loves us. How does he love us? He loves us without prejudice. He loves us completely. This is the last thing I want you to see. He also loves you to life. And in verse 16 again, it tells us, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Have you all, I mean, and I know you have, you've, you've heard the phrase before, you know, I I love you to death. You all know that one? I love you to death. Now I'm sitting there thinking, I don't want anybody to love me to death. You know, I want you to like, love me to life. But I thought about it, I was like, what does that mean? Have you ever, I, I've, sometimes I wonder where sayings come from. I love you to death. and I really did not know this, but it makes sense. You know where the phrase I love you to death comes from? Anybody know? Well, I'm going to enlighten you. It comes from your wedding vows. Isn't that interesting? I never knew that. I mean, think think about your wedding vows. I I take you to be my lawfully wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. I love you to death. After that... All bets are off, right? <laughs> All right so that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the deal about marriage. Now, here's what we know about the Bible. So the Bible says, whenever you are bound by marriage until death. And then after that, then, then there is, there is uh, you know, freedom for somebody uh, to, to get married again. I love you to death. Here's what's interesting. Jesus loves you beyond death. Matter of fact, he loves you so much that when you die, what he does is he provides you with another life. He says, I love you to death, and I love you into your next life. Now, you say, how does that happen? How does that happen? Well, Jesus said that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So God's love for you is love that actually goes beyond the grave. You know, it's, it's, it's not like you die and God says, I love you. Now that you're gone, I'm done, I'm moving on. It's not what God does. You know, one, one of the biggest questions that there is about life is, is death. You know, what, ha- what happens to us after we die? You know, do I just live and then I die and it's just, that's it? You know, I just no, long, I no longer exist? Or do I die and there is an afterlife? The only thing I know to tell you is what the Bible says. The Bible says that when you believe in Jesus, then you have everlasting life. You live for an eternity. And so God gave his son Jesus so that you might enjoy life in heaven for an eternity. So then the question, then what's heaven going to be like? Right, y'all, heaven, heaven's going to be a place of perfection. It's going to be a place of joy. And I can't explain all the things that are going to be in heaven because the Bible doesn't explain everything, but it gives us sort of a picture into what heaven's going to be like. In Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4, it says, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them, and they'll be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And here's what heaven's going to be like. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. How does that sound, to y'all? That sounds good. That sounds encouraging, but but, but here's the question. How do I get that? Well, John 3.16 answers. For whosoever believes... Now, what does it mean to believe? You know, we believe in a lot of stuff. You know, I know people say, hey, I believe that I believe that smoking ten packs of cigarettes a day is not good for you. I believe that exercising is good for my body. I mean, There's a lot of things we believe. But but when does that belief when does it really take root in your life? When you when you practice it when you put it into practice, when you do them. The word believe in our text, it means to have confidence in. In other words, to lean your full weight upon it. I, I remember reading a story about some guys uh, who, who worked on telephone poles. And, and so for them to get up the telephone pole, sometimes what they had to do is they, they have to put this belt around the pole and they wear these shoes with spikes on them. And they just kind of shimmy their way up the pole. And so what they do is they have to lean back on that belt. When they do that, then the the, the spikes in the shoes can dig into the telephone pole and they're able to, to go up it. They said, so now, when somebody's new, you can always tell. Because so they'll, they'll get those uh, shoes on and they'll lean back on the belt. But when they get a little bit higher, it, starts, it gets a little nerve-wracking. And so and it's not natural to lean back the higher you go, you want to grab onto that pole. So they'll kind of lean forward and when they do that, they start sliding down, they'll grab onto the pole and they say they just get a handful of splinters. They said, so, And it doesn't take them long to learn, don't do that. And so what they learn to do is they learn, if we're going to get where we want to go, we lean back on the belt and go up the pole. Yeah. You know, if, we, if we're going to get where we want to go with Jesus, which is forgiveness, which is having eternal life, we lean back on Him and trust Him to hold us, and then we are able to arrive where we want to go. And so that's the big question, I think, for all of us. Do, do you know this, first of all? Do you know, do you know God loves you? You may say, Yeah, I know that. Have you trusted in it? Have you leaned your weight back on it, believing that He loves you? Because the Bible says in John 3 16, it says, If you do that, you place your belief in Him and you lean back on Him. The very last part of John 3, 16 is you shall have eternal life. Now, how is that possible? Because he's the one who purchased it for you. And he's the only one who ever lived a perfect life, who has the ability to pay off our debt of sin, to pay the wages for our sin. It's a gift to us. We're just called to receive it. You know, 1 John one twelve says, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be called the children of God, to those who believe in his name. So as we we close this part of our series, I want you to know something. And a lot of you already know it, but just think about it. God loves you. You. Not the person next to you. I'm just talking to you. God loves you. How does he love me? He loves you without prejudice. He loves you completely and he loves you to life. Now the question is are, are you ready to have are you ready to have life? Are, are you willing to lean back and say, I am trusting and believing in God's love for me so much so that I will, in, I will entrust my complete life into his hands? and I will follow it.